the Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. Welcome to the Instructor Podcast, where every week we speak to leaders, experts, innovators and game changers, looking at ways we can help you improve your business and potentially become even more awesome driving instructors. As always, I am your splendid host, Terry Cook. I'm delighted to join you. I'm even more delighted that you have chosen to listen. And today we have yet another wonderful episode for you. Making his second appearance is Lee Sperry. And Lee joins us again today to talk about, largely, his journey from the appearance he made in Season 2 and why and how that led him to start the ADI and PDI Doctor. As well as talking us through that and all the things he provides over there and offering some thoughts on the standards check, Lee also has a couple of very generous offers. He's got an offer for uh, listeners of this podcast and he's got an offer for subscribers to the Instructor Podcast Premium. So hang about and you can find out all the good stuff from the ADI Doctor and find out the amazing offer that Lee has. I also just want to take a moment just to thank everyone that's left me a review recently, whether that's just leaving a five-star review on Apple or whether you've left some words, or even if you've gone onto Facebook and left a review on the Facebook page, that's really appreciated and it has definitely cheered me up recently. And just before we dive into the show, just a quick reminder to hang about to the end of the episode to get another one of my very special Terry's tips. But for now, let's dive into the show. So welcome to the Instructor Podcast, and today I am joined by someone making their second appearance on the podcast, and that is the ever-delightful Lee Sperry. How are we doing, Lee? Very well. Thank you, Terry. Yeah, I'm having a, a good day so far. Hope you are well as well. Uh, I'm good, uh, and I'm sure your day has improved since talking to me. Since you came on last time, because you were on in, in Season 2, uh, I've started asking all my guests sort of where they're fixed. Uh, this podcast is all about speaking to leaders, experts, innovators, and game changers. And I know that from speaking to people, people put themselves in different categories beyond those. But it sounds quite good when you say it those far, so I'm sticking with them for. So so which of those categories, leaders, experts, innovators, and game changers, do you think you fall into? Or have you got a different one you might use? Um, I'd probably say uh, reluctant accidental expert, <laughs> um, especially in terms of, you know, what we're going to talk about today in terms of the standards check and part three and, and those particular exams. Um, didn't really start out to become that, but I kind of became that through my own kind of obsession <laughs> with my own performance. Uh, and then now I can use that to help other people. Yeah. So if you haven't listened to the episode that Lee was on back in season two, go back and check that out because it was it's going to be interesting for me talking to him like nine months apart to see what's changed. But just before we get stuck in, do you want to just take a moment just tell us a little bit about you and a little bit about what you do? Uh, yes. Well, uh, my name is Lee Sperry. I'm primarily a, an ADI trainer um, slash ADI. I still do driving lessons. Um, and I've recently set up two websites to help PDIs and ADIs with their training troubles and standards check slash part three issues that they might have. Cool. And um, what's that called? That is uh, the twins. That's uh, pdidoctor.co.uk and adidoctor.co.uk. And I promise I have not been thinking this all day, but I wish my doctor was as efficient as you. 
<laughs> you might be more mobile if, if it was. Yes, definitely. <laughs> but I, I am pleased that I can at least speak to one doctor today. So first of all, let, let's dive straight into that then, because I'm sure people are interested. What is the, well, you know what, first of all, I'm going to ask how you came up with the name. Um, so obviously what is called the ADI Doctor, is that just something that popped in or is it some, have you still found someone else to steal it from? Or um, Well, it's funny, it's funny you should ask. It just kind of came to me or, or I thought it just came to me as, a, as a, an idea, like, oh, that sounds good, I'll use that. Um, but then the same week I was driving to a lesson, which I'd done the same person like maybe four or five times that week, they were doing a bit of a, intensive course and I was stuck at the same traffic lights I always stop at and I looked across the road and there was something like garden doctor or something like a a big billboard that must have been there and I was subliminally catching it with my eye (laughs) so uh, then I'm I'm thinking maybe that's where it came from (laughs) and and how many um sort of doctor related puns do you use on a daily basis so when you're working with people do you prescribe them stuff and do you invite them into your surgery or is that just where my brain goes not yours uh yeah i think that's just your brain uh, i am i am tempted to uh snap a rubber glove on my wrist uh for comedic value uh, as in like from rocky horror picture show but uh I've not gone that far yet with it. <laughs> um, right. Well, uh, I warn you, there will be several of those throughout this episode. Um, but I look yeah, forward to them. <laughs> do you want to tell us a bit about um, sort of the ADI doctor and PDI doctor, that your twins, as you call them? What is it? What do you offer? Um, well, it, it was sort of an like any, as I say, accidental expert. Um, once I'd kind of obsessively got myself where I needed to be in terms of my standards. Um, I just started taking questions and, and helping, you know, local ADIs, local PDIs that were on the same sort of journey as me. And then, you know, I was helping, a, you know, the odd one a month. Um, and then I started kind of doing it more and more. And I was answering questions on the, you know, Facebook groups. And then people were sending me inbox messages saying, like, well, you sound like you know your stuff. So, it, well, you know, and then, then it just sort of became more of a natural thing. And I thought yeah, I could probably do more of a national thing rather than a local thing. And that's when I set the website. So um, it's really just to help people because um, I kind of know where they, they are because I've been there. So what, what services do you offer then? Um, we've, we've got quite a few now. I mean, I'd say like the, the, the one that people tend to go with first is kind of understanding the, the, the standards check or the part three. Um, it's kind of like a two hour course and it really delves into like the 17 competencies. Um, so I just think it's really important that people gain a complete understanding of what the examiner is looking for, um, and then they can sort of shape their lessons around that. Because I don't think it's enough for people to just know them. Uh, it's just really important that they understand what is expected of them, especially people going into you know the first standards check or the first part three. Sometimes they haven't got a clue <laughs> what to expect, and they end up failing, and then they learn stuff. Um, so I'm kind of there to sort of prepare them more than anything else so they kind of understand what's coming um i also do a course on uh, adaptive lesson planning and fault analysis to sort of help them create kind of framework in terms of if they set up a lesson in a certain way it will help them just every day but also you know crucially on the the standards check to get a nice high score i also do a, a scoring highly um one hour course as well where we kind of delve into the key competencies the ones that are really kind of vital for you to score well 
and then I sort of added stuff to it. So I do like a watch me teach thing. So it's kind of like a people send me lesson footage um, and we can kind of use that as like a standard check mark test in a way. So we can kind of, I'll review it and then I'll do like a Zoom call with uh, the instructor and we'll have like a, a chat about, you know, where the scoring would have gone based on what they did or what they didn't do or say or didn't say um, and, and kind of put them right. And again, it's just a way of, having that experience without having to fail or without having to go through like a negative experience. Um, I also help people overcome anxiety and stress and fear. So that's for instructors and also for their learners to make the lessons easier. I do a coach on uh, I do a course on coaching as well, <laughs> trying to get that out. And then the new one that I've added recently is um, classifying faults uh, with well, mainly with PDIs. Um, because one of the key issues that the pandemic has caused for PDIs is it's kind of affected their ability to know what a serious fault is versus a driving fault. Because when we were training, we could sit in the back of tests and they've, they've had that experience snatched from them during their training. So I deal with a lot of PDIs that don't know the difference. And obviously the way that you need to deal with faults or serious faults on your exam are completely different. Um, and they don't know which is which. So I'm kind of helping people with that as well now. Cool. So uh, you mentioned sort of quite a few things there, and I want to touch back on a few. Uh, <laughs> the first one, you, you obviously spoke about the standards check or the part three a few times, and you mentioned the competences a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I, I, I'm on social media a lot. I like to browse and see what people are talking about and what's on people's minds. And, and one of the questions I see asked a lot, uh, and a specific question today, in fact, that uh, I know we both, I think, have commented on, um, was... Do, I think something along the lines of, do you need to understand the standards check to pass it or, or something like that? So you've obviously spoke a lot about the competencies. Do you think it's important to understand those and, and why? Um, well, yeah, I think it is really important because it's nice to know what you're up against, uh, ultimately, <laughs> to put it in the simplest way possible. Um, and I suppose that's the same for any exam that, you, that people are going into in any walk of life. I think, you know, I mean... I sort of read that and I thought, hmm. I kind of know where he's going with it um, because it's, you know, if you're doing the job right, you will, ha- you know, achieve a high grade, but that is dependent on you knowing what a good job is. And I think, you know, especially and this was kind of a an area that I went to, I thought I was doing a great job. Um, and ultimately it's not our own opinion of what a good job looks like. It's the DBSAs. So, you know, they want you to do the job in a certain way and that is their definition of a good job. Um, if you don't know what that is, then you might be surprised on your exam, <laughs> like I was. <laughs> yeah, I think um, it was interesting for me reading people, other people's thoughts on this because I'm not necessarily sure that to that question there is a right or wrong answer. I think that everyone's opinion is really valid. For me, it's it's beneficial. It's definitely beneficial, but it's not maybe not necessary. You could possibly pass by luck or just by delivering a good lesson um, without necessarily knowing you're delivering a good lesson to their standards. But I am going to throw this in here, and if, if the person that left this comment, I can't remember his name, is listening, then uh, yeah, feel free to give me a shout-out. But I did get annoyed by one comment, which was, uh, why can't someone write a full and descriptive list of all the competencies, dot, 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 for free 
it's like, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but why, why, why do you have to ask that? And someone had uh, someone, uh, I forget what it was, but again, some someone tagged in with their, their list. It's great; those resources are out there, but stuff like that annoys me a little bit. The fact that everyone's looking for the cheapest option possible. So, just on that, shall I throw this question at you? Uh, I'm going to ask you this later on, but while I mention it now, why should why should people come to why should people come to the doctor and why should people pay for you as opposed to going somewhere else? Yeah, I mean, I'll answer that in a question in, in a second, but just kind of touching on what you were saying there. Sometimes we get that in the industry where people want it for free and they want to they want everything done for them, um, and ultimately the the advice for standard check is it's there, isn't it? So when I do my kind of explainer or I go through all the competencies and kind of help people to understand them. Um, at the end of that, I'll say, well, this is my opinion on it, but here is a link to the DBSA's website where all the steps and everything that they want is there, all the do's and the don'ts is there. Um, so there is a free option out there, which is read the what the DBSA say and make your own interpretation of that. You know, what I offer is, I'd say it's kind of a, an explanation and an understanding of what they mean. And I think that is kind of crucial. Um, and that's what people are paying for. Um, it's about making sure you understand it. Because if you understand it, you can then put it into practice and then perform well. It's not enough to just know it. Um, and to have someone break it down to plain English is really beneficial, I think. Yeah, I'd, I'd massively agree. I think that there's loads of, I mean, this podcast is free. I, you know, as we recall this, it's a free resource. And I think that you can get a lot of what you need from listening to this podcast and by going onto YouTube videos and, and, you know, reading blogs and all that kind of stuff. But for me, it's about listening to this and personally, I might think, Oh, that, that Terry sounds interesting. I want to go and get more from him or, or Lee sounds like, you know, that's what he's talking about. I want to go and see what he's got to offer. And that's when you then go and dive in. I think that, you know, there's nothing wrong with with free stuff. As I said, this is a free resource. You're going to give some knowledge away for free today. But anyway, I'm going to come back to that question. Why should people pay you, Lee? Why you and not someone else? Um, I think, you know, kind of what you touched on there, it's it's about the right fit. You know, so there's there's lots of people that give advice on sandwich check and part three. Um, and some of it is good and some of it, you know, isn't isn't really good. Like some of the stuff on YouTube that you see, shocks me when I, when I see it I'm like oh. so you know I've kind of been there and I've done it and I, and I kind of know how you feel you know so if you're sat there reading or listening to this podcast you, you might have feelings of panic and anxiety and stress because you've got your standard check coming up you're probably thinking oh god I'm gonna I might lose my job and, and all the jeopardy that that goes around that um and I I've been there you know, I know how you feel. <laughs> so I can kind of relate to how you feel and I can help uh, put you on the right track because um, you're probably not doing a bad job. But are you doing what the DVS they want you to do? That's the key thing. Um, and I can help you understand that, um, clarify what the DVSA guidance is and put it into plain English so people can understand it, you know, the normal guy off the street. Because some of it, when you read it, it's like, all right, that's what they want. But, you know, I'm from Blackburn. I tell it like it is. I don't use big words. I just, you know, <laughs> I will make you understand it. <laughs> um, so I think that's definitely, um, I, I, I'd like to think of myself as kind of uh, like an assistant to, to your training. Um, so obviously you've had your training or you're doing your training. But sometimes getting an extra pair of eyes on your work in terms of your lessons or just speaking to someone new that's not your trainer that says the same things 
if you can just help clarify with them. Um, quick story for you, just what you're saying about you being from Blackburn and stuff. Uh, years and years ago, when I worked at McDonald's, uh, they started off doing an apprenticeship program, and I was invited down to to London because I was starting to take part in this apprenticeship program, and they wanted me to go down to head office. And when I got down there, um, basically everyone else in the room was like suited and booted. And I was just me there in my little crew uniform. And I'm thinking, oh, God, what am I? And the last that had, had got me down there, I forget her name, but she pulled me aside and we're having a chat. And I says, I'm not being funny. I says, but why have you got me down here? Why am I going to be sitting around this table with all these people that are like upper management at McDonald's? And I like literally work in the kitchen. And she says, you're from Yorkshire. You're the only one that will tell it like it is. And um, so, yeah, sometimes it makes a difference just getting that straight answer. So the other thing you kind of you spoke about there was the different things you offer. But do you think the best thing for anyone would be just to get in touch with you and have a chat with you beforehand and say, this is what I'm struggling with. Can you help? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the beauty of it because you see a lot of training um, and it's kind of in groups. It's kind of a group thing. And sometimes I've seen people in groups that I've been in um, and then when I've spoken to them after, they said, well, I, I wanted to ask that question, but I didn't want to look stupid in front of everyone else. Um, you know, and there aren't any stupid questions, really. It's just kind of people that just kind of, I don't want to say that. Um, so I think, you know, one of the, the pluses is what I offer. It's just one-to-one. It's just me and you. And we can just do a, you know, like an online things like Zoom or Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp. And yeah, we can just have a conversation and find out which one of my services or a multiple of them would benefit them. Um, so I don't really sort of, I mean, when I speak to people on Facebook and stuff, I, I'll hear their story and then I'll suggest a certain you know product that I offer um, to see if it fits. But it's always a good idea, like you said, to sort of have that conversation and find out what 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 do they need and how can I help? And if you think about it, that's how we do the job in the car. Yeah. Um, so I do want to kind of dive into a little bit about um, the common things you're seeing, you know, you're starting to work with more and more people, the common problems people having and the common mistakes you're seeing. But just before we do, I want to touch back on one other thing you said, because as you were talking before, you mentioned, again, one of the common things you've seen is people differentiating between a serious fault and a driver fault. I guarantee you now that there are a lot of people listening to this that are going, what is the difference between a serious fault and a driver fault? So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Tell us, what is the difference between a serious fault and the driver fault? Um, well, really, it's, it's if the law and if safety have been compromised, um, it, that would be a fail on the test. Um, so it's kind of the same thing, you know, when you're, you're out on your lessons. If you have to do something that would have prevented, you know, something safety critical or if the law was compromised, that's a serious fault. Um, and I'll give you an example. I was with, um, I was sat in the back of a part three, uh, less well, just a, a lesson. She was, she's training for a part three. And and it, like I said, it's, the problem is they've not had the benefit of sitting in the back and watching tests because that's how I learned the difference between a driver fault. You know, in my first sort of two years, three years, I sat in on 150, 200 tests, like every, all my tests basically. Um, and I found out the difference by watching it. Um, and kind of learning that way and you know the first time I had a PDI say you know I'm not sure whether this would be a serious fault you know part of me in my head was thinking what are you, are you crazy like how can that not be a serious fault but then when I thought about it I thought because of the, the COVID restrictions they've never seen a test their last test was you know 
excluding the part two, was when they passed the test. You know, that could be 20 years ago or longer, maybe. Um, so, yeah, they, they, they've not had that benefit that we had. Um, so, yeah, going back to that example, she had to tell her learner to stop. She had, she had to give her, you know, a command at a traffic light because he didn't see the light was red. <laughs> and then she didn't adapt the lesson plan. They just had a conversation. So after the lesson, I said, look, you would have failed your part three for that because you haven't adapted the lesson plan for a safety critical incident. And her response was, I didn't have to use the dual controls. So in her head, only if she had to use the dual controls was a serious fault. Um, in actual fact, she had a, a really good ability to prevent dual control use. She was really good at getting in there early with you know, commands and prompts. And that'll serve her really well when she's qualified. Um, but it was also a, a kind of the thing that caught her out there because she was never using dual controls. So in her head, there was no serious faults being committed. But obviously it would be because if an examiner had, they wouldn't, they'd probably just break when they in that situation. Um, so it's, it's important because it, it completely affects the whole lesson planning um, in terms of, you know, if it's a, a driving fault, then it's something that you can add into your existing lesson plan doesn't necessarily need to replace it like a serious fault does. But if you don't know the difference, then you won't know how to classify the fault and then adapt the plan accordingly. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, coming back to the ADI PDI doctor, I suppose I'm, I'm keen to ask you because I know you've had, you're getting more and more people coming through now because it's been going a little while, which is great. What are the sort of the most common things people are coming to you for? What are the most common issues um, I think number one, it's just clarity. I'd say, like in a broad way, um, they're going into the exams and they don't know. Um, I have spoke to someone. Don't know what what the result of her test was, but she had a test this morning, and she spoke to me last night, and she found out last night that she can't take a beginner, and she didn't know that. And I said, "Did you try not to say that?" And she said, "No." <laughs> um, so it's just about kind of setting yourself up for success, and I think I can sort of give people all the answers they need and all the clarification they need um, on, on all the issues that they might come across so they can adapt their, the way they work ahead of their exam. Um, but yeah, I do deal with a lot of people that have failed and then they come to me. <laughs> so unfortunately, I'm dealing with people as a, a consequence of failing. So you mentioned there, obviously, that, that, that person that came to you had the trainer. Are you finding a lot of the people that come to you have trainers already? Yes. So <laughs> is there, I'm trying to be careful how I ask these questions so it's not too incriminating, but do you think that there's a flaw in the training or do you, are some people coming to you to supplement their training almost with their trainer's blessing, if you like? Uh, I'd say probably a bit of both. Um, obviously, you get people that are aggrieved with the trainer. Uh, maybe they failed twice um, and they're on the third attempt. I mean, that's probably the, the people that I deal with the most, kind of like emergency cases. Um, where they're turning to me because they are, you know, terrified because, you know, the next fail is the end of the, end of the road. Um, so, yeah, I probably deal with people that have already failed that are panicking the most. But And it's, it's because they've not been trained right. And I don't care about, you know, saying that because for me, in, in a situation with a learner, if your learner is going into their driving test and they don't know what they're doing, <laughs> that's, that's, they've not been taught very well. And yeah, I do find that more and more. And I, I'm genuinely shocked sometimes with stuff that they really need to know that they don't know. 
it's interesting because um there's there's, there's groups I, I I can't relate to that specific because I don't teach or at the moment I'm not teaching other other instructors or teaching people to become an instructor, but I can relate to learners because I can remember years ago uh, one of my learners I spotted had gone into a another Facebook group and asked a question like a I can't remember what it was, asked a learner question in another Facebook group. And I was mortified. I'm like, why haven't you asked me? Why haven't you asked in my Facebook group? And, you know, when I step back and look at it, I think it, at the time it was just, she didn't know me that well. She she would have had a couple of lessons, you know, there was no real um, rapport there yet. But it, I think it's interesting that, that you talk about uh, uh, that that weakness in, in some of the training. What what can be done about that, in your opinion? Um what from a from like without me? Yeah, without <laughs> like you. To, <laughs> how if um, you could make a change to the industry to get that rectified, how would you change it? I mean, I realize that's quite a big question as well. By the way, I mean it's 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 that kind of domino effect, isn't it? So what what we want in the end is really good, safe learner drivers that can manage risk on their own, and they've been taught geared towards safe driving and managing risk and making decisions on their own, yeah? Um, so if you've got instructors that just teach for the test, then they're not going to get that. So it kind of it kind of dominoes along. So if you want that kind of really safe forward, you know, that sort of a driver that can sort of make their own decisions and plan ahead and think and anticipate, then you need good instructors. Um, and you're not going to get good instructors if you don't, if you have substandard instructor trainers. Um so how do we get good instructor trainers? <laughs> um, I think the, the key to that, and it kind of comes on to what you were saying before about the, the comment on Facebook, is we're, we're self-employed. You know, you need that kind of entrepreneurial spirit, that kind of get up and go. Like if you, you feel like your training isn't sufficient, then get better at it. You know, reach out to people. Um, and I think I've mentioned this to you before, but, you know, my feelings on the industry is that we're too bloody proud. We're too in our own little bubble. And we don't want to reach out and <clears throat> speak to our colleagues or our peers or, you know, we're just kind of happy with how we are. Um, but I think stuff like this, you know, like the Instructor Podcast, it's excellent because it, it brings us together, whereas before we were just kind of, you know, <laughs> in our own little bubble. Um, and I think through, you know, spreading best practice, then we will get that good domino effect where we have really good instructor trainers that produce great instructors and those instructors are then teaching learners to not just get through the test and then ultimately we get what we all want which is safe drivers on the road yeah i think that's great advice and, and not just the instructor podcast obviously there's all sorts out there but i think that stuff like this gives you a, a general overview and then we can come to people like yourself or even me for different stuff or whatnot to for specifics you know I get what you're saying here, but how can we adapt this for me? Um, the other thing I just want to touch on sort of briefly is just a comment you made on, on social media recently, which really resonated because it's something I've said before and I'd, I'd kind of forgotten until you said it again, which was since working with uh, more instructors around part three and this check, you've become a better instructor because it's keeping you on your game. And it, it's something that always struck me because I'm a better driver because I'm keeping everyone else, it's something that, you know, teaching learners makes me a better driver. So teaching instructors makes you a better instructor. So do you think that there's, um, you know, potential there and encouragement for everyone to not necessarily become a, 
a trainer of instructors, but to do something along that so that they're obviously then helping to keep their stands up. Yeah, I mean, a good option would be like a mentor thing, you know, so, you know, new PDIs that have just qualified, then, you know, if they were assigned a mentor, like someone in their area that's got 10, 15 years experience, that can kind of hold the hand and, and, and you know, for that first kind of few months. Um, so I think one of the issues I've seen with, especially part three PDIs recently, is they've just been chucked in. You know, that they've had some part three training and they've kind of got on with the job and they've created their own way of doing the job, which is kind of what we did 20, 30 years ago and it was acceptable. But now we've all got to sort of sing to the same hymn sheet in terms of, you know, what the DBSA want and the 17 competencies. I often find that I'm having to kind of rewind people. I'm like, right, okay, what you're doing is fine, but you won't pass your standards check or you won't pass your part three. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So you, and what's worse is they're getting people through the test, aren't they? So these people on a pink license, you see them on Facebook, the learners are holding up the pass certificates. And when you get your first few passes as a newly qualified instructor, you, you feel untouchable. And it's, it's almost like they're going too far down the road without that kind of eye on them. Um, so I think that, yeah, definitely like a mentor system, because if you look at the way people learn, and this kind of comes into kind of coaching and, and client-centered learning, you know, it's been established that being talked at is, is the thing that gives the least amount of learning retention, that people will remember the least amount when they're being talked at. Um, and at the other side of the pyramid, the, the number one one is you demonstrating what you've learned. Um, so for me, that you know, what you said about, my Facebook post, when I'm delivering driving lessons, I'm kind of, I've got my own sort of voice in my head of how I would, you know, teach people to be instructors. So me kind of demonstrating the job as well as teaching the job kind of keeps me on top of my game. Um, just before we move on, I am going to give a little shout out to your professionalism at the moment, Lee, because uh, one thing that you know, but the listeners don't, is that I'm struggling with a bad back at the minute. And whilst you're talking, I am standing up and I'm doing these fun little stretches. And every time I stand up, you are seeing my Superman lounge pants uh, being completely unprofessional. And you are handling it like a champ. And anyone listening would not know that I'm doing all these weird moves in front of you. So, uh, so, so well done for that. Yeah, it did look proper weird the first time. But after like the fifth or sixth time, I just thought, this is this is today's Terry. This is what I'm dealing with now. It's not just today. <laughs> I do this crap all the time on these shows. Just no one knows. Um, one day I'll start doing them on video. Um, okay, so but, uh, the other thing I want to mention is that you have got a very special offer. Uh, you were kind enough to come to me and suggest this. You've got a very special offer for both, I believe, uh, the listeners of this podcast and also for the subscribers to the Instructor Podcast Premium. So do you want to tell us what your wonderful offer is? Um, yeah, so um, the great news is that from the 1st of May, um, all the Instructor Podcast listeners uh, can get 10% off all my services at ADI Doctor and PDI Doctor. Um, and I think we can exclusively reveal today that if you're a premium member of Terry's amazing podcast, um, you'll receive a whopping 50% off all my services. I mean, I've got to admit, when you messaged me that, I did double check with you because that's that's like... <laughs> crazy um 50 discount but but yeah so just to clarify that if you are listening to this podcast and you want to get a discount off of uh, what lee sperry offers even if you're not a member of my services 
you can uh, get in touch with Lee and just tell him that you are listening to the Instructor Podcast and you will get a 10% discount. Um, but if you subscribe to the Instructor Podcast, which is just £10 a month, uh, and try to the premium stuff, get in touch with Lee, tell him that. He'll double-check with me just to make sure that people are bringing you up and saying, Lee, I'm a member of Premium. I've got 7,000 members all of a sudden. Um, and you'll get a, a ridiculous, and I'm going to say that again, a ridiculous 50% off of uh, what you offer. And uh, what we'll do is we'll see how that goes and we can review again that in, in six months and, and see if that adapts. But for at least six months, I would say uh, you're going to, that'll be there. So that's a, an awesome offer. And, and as you said, the, 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 the least people can do is ring you up for a chat. And, and just before I move on, where can people actually find you to inquire about that stuff? Uh, yeah, if you jump onto the website. So if you're an ADI, then come to adidoctor.co.uk. Um, and if you're a PDI, budding training instructor, then it's PDI. .co.uk um, and on there you'll find a list of all the services that I provide as well as contact details. We're just taking a slight pause in the show to give a quick shout out to both Les Hopkinson and Dina Lincoln. Now these are the two latest sign-ups for the Instructor Podcast Premium and uh, because these guys signed up in April their sign-up fee for April will be donated to the Walk for Woody campaign which is Graham Hooper, Keith Woodward, and a host of other amazing people that are walking the Monopoly board around London, raising money for Prostate Cancer Research UK. Uh, so yes, that's building up nicely, and we'll have a nice little sum to give to them at the beginning of May. But as uh, Les and Dina have both signed up, they now get all the benefits of the Instructor Podcast Premium, and you just heard a new one from Lee Sperry. So members of the instructor podcast premium will get a 50 percent discount on all of these online services uh, until at least the end of the year when we'll we'll reassess that offer then but sign up now and you'll get a 50 percent discount on that you also get your discount on bob morton that's a 30 percent discount on bob morton's client set of learning not on bob himself uh, you'll also get a 16 percent discount on go roadie but the Instructor Podcast Premium isn't just about discounts now. Yes, I'm delighted that I can offer you these, these discounts, but it's about the awesome content that I put out there as well. So whether it's a standard check checklist, so we've got five of those and we're diving into the competencies, whether it's me giving you different ideas and different ways that you can take your business or discussing my latest test results and running through those, or the latest one that's gone up was with Ian Blakeman. Now, Ian is an artist. And he joined me to talk about art and branding because it was Ian that created my avatar that goes on all my podcast cover art. And it was a really interesting conversation where we dive deep into art and branding and how that can be beneficial for us. And uh, we'll probably get him on the podcast main at some point, but a brilliant episode over there. And we've got some even more fun stuff coming up for you, including business topics where we dive into specific areas around business with some expert guests as well. But for now, I'm going to leave that there. But head over to www.theinstructorpodcast.com or go to the link in the show notes and you can go and sign up there. And remember, you get all those benefits and you get all the awesome content as well. But for now, let's dive back into the episode. All right, so it's a marvellous offer, and I'm very grateful. I'm sure that both my listeners and the premium subscribers will be as well. Um, but one thing that I know you were keen to talk about and something that I was actually keen to ask you about is sort of the journey that's led you to this. 
Um, and I'm sure you probably want to touch back a little bit further. Back on season two, you came onto the show and you spoke about your journey as an instructor and how you went, I think we called it from instructor to coach. And we spoke about how you changed and adapted and why you changed and adapted. And you spoke about your, your invincible year, the, the 100% pass rate. And it was, uh, you know, one of the, and still is one of the most popular shows I've, I've released. Um, but I'm say I'm keen to hear about, you know, how you evolved since and into, into this. So I'm just going to throw the, the floor open to you there. Um, well, yeah, I mean, as we kind of touched on my website, um, on my, sorry, my last episode, the, the issues that I had were kind of forced. So I didn't want to change. And as you said, you know, I had my invincible year and I had my top grade from my latest uh, check test uh, going into that year. So when the, the standards check first came about this new thing, I just thought, nah, don't need to pay any attention to that because who cares? You know, I'm, I'm really good at what I do and, you know. Um, but yeah, then I got hit with that kind of massive sledgehammer, which was you failed. And then the sort of panic set in. So I had to sort of think, I've got to change how I do everything. And yeah, I, I did that thing that we were talking about earlier. I reached out and we are really proud and we don't often reach out. So I reached out to uh, people like uh, author Chris Benstead. Uh, industry expert. Don't call uh, him an author. I know he's an author, right? But I, I he's got he a big would, enough head as it is. I know he would really appreciate that, so I thought I'd, I'd throw that in. Um, and Bob Morton, you know, my sensei. Um, you know, I, I fully believe that he saved my career, um, and he's, he's he was just awesome. Um, and that's kind of what I want to be now for for other people. So, as I said, you know, from when I came on the, the show last time. I got a lot of good feedback. Uh, you know, people were messaging me and adding me on Facebook and saying, oh, I really like what you were talking about. And again, I was kind of becoming a reluctant kind of helper. <laughs> so I was, you know, they were asking for advice and I was helping them. Uh, and that kind of stemmed from that. I think I was, I say the word reluctant again, because I didn't really have that plan um, to go into PDI training or standards check training or anything. I was just kind of content with what I'd done. Um, and it was kind of through my own obsession, like I said, that I wanted to be really good at it, uh, that I kind of, you know, through people like Bob and Chris, kind of got all this expert knowledge, <laughs> which was just for me, really. Um, but then I thought I could share this. And, you know, that's what we should be doing as an industry. We should be sharing best practice and helping each other because ultimately that will make us better instructors and then we'll produce that better end product. So um, I think it was actually Bob that kind of encouraged me to do it. He <laughs> um, was like, come on, you need to, you need to do something. I'm like, oh, I don't really want to. And obviously you were the same. You kind of pushed me as well. So then I sort of, yeah, I thought, well, I'll just kind of help people along and see if my advice can help them. And then it, then it really did. So I just, you know, I, when I, I think of people kind of listening to the show, I think, you've already taken a step further than I did because <laughs> you're listening to this podcast and you're taking in this, all this information and you can great diverse bunch of guests that you have on, you know, you're getting all this information and I didn't listen to anyone and I certainly wouldn't have listened to a podcast. Um, so they're already, they're already ahead of where I was with it. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of helping people not feel like I did because it was horrible. I, I genuinely thought, after two failed, failed attempts at my Sanders check, that I was going to lose my job. I was going to careers down that I was getting married the year after. So I was thinking, how am I going to afford this wedding if I lose my job? 
Um, and I don't want people to feel like that because it was horrible. Um, so that's why I like to think, you know, where I am now is I can relate to how people feel when they message me and they say, oh, it's my, my final attempt at my standards check in two weeks. And, I, and I'm like, don't worry, I was there as well. <laughs> um, and I can help and I can give you really good advice to help you get through it. As, as you know, Bob did with me, you know, he was excellent. Uh, the, the first time I think probably mentioned this in my episode, the first time I spoke to Bob was the night before my third attempt at my standards check. And he gave me some, you know, really good tips and, you know, 12 hours later, I'd, I'd done it. <laughs> I'd passed and I, I never wanted to ever feel like that again. So that's why I kept kind of developing and improving and trying to get kind of like expert at what I was doing. Um, and yeah, now I can give that information back to our colleagues. So you, I don't think I knew that actually that the first time you spoke to Bob Morton was the night before your third attempt. Is that <laughs> yeah. the first sort of further training or CPD or whatever you want to call it? Is that the, the first bit of that you'd done? Yeah, I mean, the, the, threat of the, the threat of the standards check obviously was what I reached out because of. But to put that into context, you know, I've delivered just shy of 15,000 hours of lessons in my career. Um, and I've been assessed three times, 2009, 2013, 2018. Um, so it was hardly like print and center in my mind. And I think that a lot of people that I speak to, a lot of ADIs especially, um, ig ignorance really is bliss. Um, you know, you, there is no threat because you're good at your job in your own head. And it's when, you know, we often speak of the standards check as free CPD because um, you're getting feedback on, and it could be negative, but at least you're, you're getting some pointers. Um, so that's what I try to do is provide that to people, um, especially with the, you know, watch me learn service. So people send me footage and I watch that. And then we have a chat about how it went and how it would have possibly been scored on a standards check, you know, and then they can take those learns without, um, you know, having to fail, you know, in the same way, you know, you would do that as a, as a mock test with a real learner. You know, if you were teaching someone to drive, you do a mock test to get two serious faults and they've done, you know, they, they've, it's cost them nothing. You know, they're in a safe environment and they've not really failed. But the thing that they learned was the thing that will make them not fail the test for real. Um, so I think it's important to, to kind of get yourself assessed, you know, find out where you're at, find if what you're doing is what the DBSA want. And if it's not, then I can help you, you know, get in that right, along that right path before you do your real one. So do you think, I mean, I know it's never nice to fail, and I'm sure at the time you wouldn't have been pleased you'd fail, but looking back now, are you pleased you failed those those Sanders checks? No, it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it was definitely, I mean, like I said, because in 2009 and 2013, I got the top grade. So in my, in my own little bubble, I didn't need any CPD. Um, and obviously, we've since the standards check, we've not had another sledgehammer change like that one, <laughs> where everything really changed. Um, so the way it was working before was really good, but then it wasn't. Um, and I still deal with a lot of people, quite surprisingly, that that say to me that they sort of caught on a show for the standards check, and they've always done it how they've always done it for thirty years. But when the standards check comes along, they have to like put on an act, and they they, they really struggle with that. I think it's interesting as well because with the changes that came about um, last year, I think with the way standard checks are now 
given out, you wouldn't be taking one. So, you know, the lead from a few years ago that had that 100% pass rate, you wouldn't be called in for a standards check. So you would still be teaching the same way, wouldn't you? Yeah. So I feel like it, it was, you know, ultimately beneficial to me because yeah. it, it kind of forced me to do it. And like I said on the episode last time, I didn't do it because I wanted to do it. I did it because fear of losing my job. Um, so that, that's why I like to call myself a kind of reluctant accidental expert. Um, because if I hadn't have failed that standards check, I would have just carried on doing what I always did. And it was working in terms of pass rate. Uh, and it was very much, as we talked about, geared around the pass rate. But I think I'm producing a better end product now. <laughs> so it was probably worth the, uh, yeah. you know, worth the pain. <laughs> so I want to think back to that year of the Invincibles for a minute, the, uh, the 100% year. If you could jump in a time machine and uh, take yourself back and go and have a word with Lee back then, what would you say to yourself back then? Um, stop being horrible to people. <laughs> um, I was like the sergeant major of learning to drive. I know I, I you know, I come across quite nice um, on here, but um, you know, I'm from a retail management background and getting results at target-based results. So, you know, I will get them results no matter what. <laughs> and that's how I used to do the job. Uh, I imagine a lot of my learners were terrified of me and they were doing the things I wanted them to do because they, there was fear in the wrath of them not doing it. Um, obviously, it was for their benefit because they all passed first time. But I don't know how much, how much they'd learn about driving. <laughs> I think they learned a lot about how to pass the test. So ultimately now, with, you know, with coaching and, and client-centered learning, uh, the end, end product is better and I can sleep better at night because I know that people that I teach to drive now and people that my PDIs teach, it's kind of that filtering down thing, they are going to be really you know, well-rounded and, and kind of planning and thinking drivers, not just kind of robots, which is the way I used to do it. Like, do that step, then that step, then that step. <laughs> I think I'm going to try and phrase this or word this a certain way. But do you think back then you were getting people to pass their tests more for your benefit than theirs? Yep, 100%, yeah. It was all about me. And that's the biggest change, isn't it? Because now it's all about them. Um, you know, when I'm doing PDI training, I always relate back to them days and I refer to it as the headmaster and the butler. Uh, I think we touched that on last time I spoke to you. But I was very much the headmaster <laughs> and it was my way or the highway. And, and most of the time it worked. It was it was the odd person that it just didn't work with and they couldn't stand me. And I, I actually had someone just stop at the side of the road and get out and walk home once. Um, <laughs> and that doesn't happen anymore because it's now it's, it's all about them, isn't it? So it's about, you know, how can I help you? And what do you want me to do to kind of make your experience better, easier, safer? You know, it's, before it was just right get in the car and now do this and then do that and do that and it was it was just all test based again it's rubbish <laughs> so i want to jump back into the adi slash pdi doctor for a moment um and i want to know what are, or how can i what pun can i put into this what symptoms what are the most common symptoms that you see the mistakes people make or whether it's attitude or a skill mistake or whatever you know around standards checks and part freeze what are the biggest issues that you're seeing there do you think um i suppose there's two um i'd say the number one one would be uh lesson planning um how people plan way in advance, weeks in advance for the, the test day. 
um, and they try to kind of shoehorn a person into the subject that they want to teach uh, because they like teaching roundabouts. So they'll, they'll do roundabouts. And obviously the, the, the exam is all about the learner. It's, it's not about you. It's about you. Well, it, it is about you, but it's about you demonstrating your ability to be about all about them, <laughs> if that makes sense. So, yeah, lesson planning where people just have a plan and then they run with it. And then as different things happen throughout the lesson, they stick with the plan. Um, and they don't adapt it you know the advice I give to anyone going into standards check is your plan should be 10 minutes so if you plan three weeks before or whatever you're planning for the first 10 minutes you know and that first 10 minutes is you know what do you need or want to work on how are we going to get you there Uh, and then you execute that plan and then within 10 minutes there'll be a different thing that you know whether it's a different subject maybe or a different skill it needs to work on or quite often it's just the level of help that was working at the start isn't working now, or if it wasn't working, you know, so it's kind of, it should just be a constantly adapting thing. Um, But yeah, I'd say that the number one issue I see is people with rigid lesson plans that they'd planned for weeks before because they like teaching that thing. Um, And I'd say the, the other one that I see is just kind of like a, from like a fault analysis point of view, quite often people are talking about the thing that has been identified. So they'll identify an issue uh, and then they will bring that attention to the learner's attention. So they'll tell them this is what happened. And then they might have a conversation about it, but then the lesson plan doesn't change. (laughs) So it's kind of like brush it under the carpet and then we'll crack on doing with whatever we were working on. Um, And that's probably the biggest area where people fall down on standards check and part three. It's you're not teaching in the moment. You're teaching based on the plan that you've had for weeks. And that's the advice I give. Teach in the moment and just be really adaptable. When the needs of the learners change, then you need to change too. Uh, well, that was going to be my next question. What one piece of advice would you offer to anyone? But uh, you've answered that there, so that's good. Is there anything else you would like to cover around, well, say around the PDI, ADI dots, but anything else while you're on the, the show at all? I think I think the other thing as well is something one of the other services that I cover. Uh, I can we touched on it at the beginning. Uh, is about you know kind kind of dealing with stress and fear and anxiety because a lot of I suppose it ties in with lesson planning as well most of the time because quite often when learners are not performing well, it's because the thing that they're working on is wrong or the practice area is wrong or the level of help is wrong. Um, so it's kind of our fault that they're feeling like that. You know, if you get a learner, get out the car and then you get in and you lean back and you get that wet back thing. Um, I always see that as a sign of the lesson wasn't right. You know, something was going on in their head that you've not addressed and you've not adapted to, to sort that out. Um, but, yeah, sometimes it can just be, you know, an irrational fear. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to crash, I'm going to die um, <laughs> going on in the learner's head, which obviously it's not going to happen. So one of the services that I provide is just to help people overcome that, whether that be a learner that's, that they are working with, or it could be them. You know, they might be terrified of the part three to a point where they can't perform on the day because they're suffering from those performance-damaging negative emotions. So I think that's one of the things that I, I can do, like a one-hour course with them as well for that. 
I mean, you described that there as, as an irrational fear. I don't think it's irrational. I think you get in a car, there's a chance you could crash and die. And I, I think that ties in with something you said earlier on in the episode as well about clarity. And I'm, if I'm speaking about learners for a moment, in their brain, they can crash and die. And it's up to us to explain why that won't happen on a lesson. To explain why, well, this is your first lesson. We're not doing a motorway. We're on this quiet road where there's hardly any cars about and we can just, you know, so if anything did happen, it's not even going to be anything serious. And I can reach the wheel. I could have got pedals on it. And I think that if that, that helps a lot with nerves as well, because there can be just that fear that they don't understand it. And when you've clarified it, all of a sudden it's like, all oh, right. So turning up for my standards check like this isn't going to cause me to fail. Okay, cool. Or I think you mentioned before about um, just clarifying you can't take a beginner. Well, then that narrows down who you can take. So all of a sudden that's taking the pressure off a little bit because you've, you've got less choice. And when you've got less choice, there's less stress in my opinion. So, so yeah, I think that going right back to what you said at the start about clarity and then bringing that into what you said then, I think is, is just massive, but it's uh, it's great. That's a service off as well. Have you found that um, you've had any uptake on that yet? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably one of the most popular ones actually. Um, obviously the number one one is the, that I'm going to fail my standard check and I need you to help. <laughs> <laughs> help quick panic. Uh, there's that one, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the reason why I sort of, you know, learn about this kind of thing is because you know I would when I was just an instructor, I would have people that I was working with that no matter what I tried didn't work because they they were in their own head. Um, so I thought it's it'd be like an extra piece of armory that I can use if I can be good at teaching the job, but also good at making people feel calm and relaxed. Um, because once they are calm and relaxed and they're thinking, you know, straight and they're thinking correctly, then the techniques that you use to, to coach them and teach them will work better because, you know, they're feeling like that. Um, but yeah, just going back to what I was saying there about irrational fears, you know, it's, it's stuff like they, they genuinely sometimes think that, you know, they're going to get shouted at, for example, if they make a mistake. And it's, it's about that. It, again, it ties into lesson planning really it's about do they understand everything that you're going to do so that could be a level of help that they've asked for but it could be just simply keeping them safe um and them understanding that they can't crash the car because you're there uh obviously they could get crashed into of course that's that you know it's happened to me before on the lesson but you're there to protect them you're the guardian of safety so stuff like you know what if i crash like what if i run someone over it's the, the way I relate that to them is I'll say like, you know, if you're sat at your home, you know, sat on your sofa and you're watching a film, like a horror film, and there's a, there's a man on the TV with a big knife slashing everyone, like, how do you feel? And, you know, the most common response is like, oh, I'm hiding under my, my, my duvet on my sofa. It's like, my heart's racing. It's, oh, it's terrifying. I can't watch them films. And then I'll say, well, how much danger are you actually in? with the guy on the TV and they go, oh yeah, not really. You know, and it's, it's that same thing. You know, if you, if you get that penny to drop on a lesson, they will be much more responsive and being able to learn because ultimately they know that they are safe, no matter what they thought before, they know that your job is to keep them safe and to look after them while they learn. It's to, to provide that safe and consequence free environment for them to flourish in 
But if they don't know that exists, they'll never perform as well as they could. Yeah. Um, I'm just amused, like, because you asked that question to me and I'll be like, I'll be rating those kills out of 10 to see which one's <laughs> the best. Um, but no, I think that the whole thing around nerves and fear and anxiety is fascinating. And I think it's one that sometimes is taken too lightly. And I think that other times it, people go to the other extreme. Cool. It's, it's good that you're offering that as well, because rather than you know, coming out and being like, we are going to offer you this 12-month course on how to beat anxiety, it's just like, well, let's have a chat. And then see if I can help, which I think is a uh, a great way to be. And again, that goes back to what we said at the start, uh, the, the best thing to do in these situations. Um, do your research. So, you know, listening to this podcast is great. You're going to hear people like Lee and people like Bob Moore and then Chris and all the other awesome instructors that come on. And then you can listen and go, that one has the best voice. I'm going to get in that touch with that one first. They sound more my type of person. Uh, and I'm sure you're, I would say rattling a few cages. That's not the right phrase. Um attracting a few people uh let's go with that one where can people find you now i know you mentioned this earlier but where is the best place to find you and is there anything else you want to take a moment to promote um well yeah you can find me on the usual sort of facebook twitter instagram linkedin kind of profiles uh but yeah um my website uh, adidoctor.co.uk or pdidoctor.co.uk um all the information that you need is on there all the services are on there for you to look at and decide which you think you might benefit from the best. Uh, but yeah, just get in contact, have a chat and always know that there is someone out there that you can talk to and you're not in that little bubble as an instructor where it, it can be a really lonely place. You know, there are people that you can just send a quick Facebook message to and have a conversation about how you feel and where you feel like you might be going wrong and um, yeah, put you right back on the, the path where you want to be. Um, and we're recording this before this but when this comes out you will also be the first person to ever do two Thursday expert posts in the, in the Instructor Podcast group so yeah thank you for that and make sure you join the group check them out and if you do join the group answer the free questions otherwise you won't be accepted um, but yeah I just want to take a moment to thank you for joining us Lee, to see to see your journey from uh, well I suppose initially from Instructor to Coach but then from Season 2 to Season 3 of the podcast and now having this this awesome ADI slash PDI the twins uh, as and that you've taken on board as a doctor is, is incredible uh, and I'm not going to take credit for it but you know it did happen between the, the instructor podcast episode so you know whatever just saying uh, but no thank you for joining us still it's, it's been brilliant as always uh, yeah it's been a pleasure as always thank you very much Terry So big thank you to Lee Sperry there. It's um, It's been a remarkable journey. It's been a, a pleasure watching him develop. Uh, think back to the episode he appeared on on season two. We called that from instructor to coach. So it was fascinating watching him change there. But to, to see him go from the, the sort of the driving instructor, coach, whatever you want to call it, to, um, to now running these ADI, PDI doctor sites and listen to him gain confidence, it's genuinely been a pleasure. Also want to take a moment to thank him for the, the offers he's put out. So obviously, as he mentioned uh, during the show, um, you guys, anyone listening now, if you want to take up Lee's offer, you can get in touch with him, tell him you're a listener to the Instructor Podcast, and you'll get a 10% discount off anything. Or you can sign up to the Instructor Podcast Premium. That's £10 a month. And then you can go and get a 50% discount off anything that Lee's offering. That's going to be open to at least the end of the year. And we'll reassess then. So, yeah, it seems um, daft not to get yourself signed up to Instructor Podcast Premium. 
not just Lee's bonus, but you also get the discount on Bob Morton's client set and learning, you get a discount on Go Roadie, and that's before I even mention all the awesome content that I put up over there as well. But as always, uh, I have a little Terry's tip for you, and this one is about when your student passes. Now, when your student passes, what do we do? We take a lovely little picture, they're smiling, beaming faces, and we plaster it all over social media. And that is brilliant. It's an excellent thing to do. However, I'm going to suggest we do something slightly different, which is use something like Canva. Um, and if you haven't seen that, it's canva.com. You can edit photos and put stuff on it and just jazz it up a little bit. I'm not making out like you need to go and be this world-beating artist, but jazz it up a little bit. Put your website on there. Congratulations, whatever. Something a bit more eye-catching. But beyond that, and this is something I really do recommend, is that rather than just saying, oh, well done to so-and-so for passing or congratulations, you only got four faults or, or whatever, Put a bit of detail in there. Tell a little bit about their story. Talk about, you know, maybe some of the troubles they had, obviously with their permission, but talk about some of the troubles they had. You know, did they suffer with anxiety and nerves? Did they have a, a problem learning to parallel park and it took them ages to learn it and then they overcame it? You know, talk about some of their qualities. You know, one of the best things about person X when they passed a test was their perseverance. And even though they had all these problems, just kept going. And it was really impressive. And the reason I say that is it, it does separate you from other instructors. Now, I appreciate it. We all did it. We're not separating each other, but it does because it, it makes you stand out like you're taking an interest in your student rather than just, oh, great, tick another one done. And the other bonus to it, and this is something I've seen from personal experience, is it helps attract the right kind of person. So for me, you know, if I'm going in and talking about the student who suffered with severe anxiety or how we've overcame that, people are going to read that and think, oh, I struggle with that. I'm going to get in touch with that person as well. I'm going to get in touch with that instructor. And it actually helps filter through the people you want. So if you have a student that's overcome a certain obstacle that you enjoy, you know, working with that type of students, then talk about that because it helps bring in that customer, that student, whatever you want to call them. And then you're going to be happy at work. So when you're doing your past pictures, see if you can just spice them up a little bit. Maybe that's the wrong word. Jazz them up a little bit. I don't even know if that's the right word. You get what I mean. See if you can make them a bit more interesting and also put some words in there, put some thought into it, make that post mean something. Hope you found that useful. Hope you're finding all of these Terry tips useful. But for now, I'm going to let you disappear. Have a great day. The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook. Talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them.